and we are live from the empire of lies and celebrating the First Amendment. This is a show that takes you to the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. And we were the recipients of a smear yesterday from CNN. Perhaps you saw it. We found that we'll be playing it today. The smear, and I think, you know, I'm pretty sure the goal was the same goal as the Washington Post story a few weeks ago, to get us off the radio. Because we are on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. They say our call letters, that was good. I appreciate that. Thanks, Shannon. But, Rod, you you heard the piece and you saw the piece. We're going to be playing on the show today. Do you agree the goal is to get us off the radio? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, people are going to hear that, you know, uh, they go to the head of the FCC and ask why uh, they're allowed to have a Russian-funded media on the air here in America. And I'll be honest, I thought that, I thought, I thought that for a hit piece, for a smear, I thought it came across well. I'll put it like this. They go after us and they're trying to get us taken off the radio, but they point out why the First Amendment is in place. And the head of the FCC says basically, well, we got the First Amendment. We're making them be transparent. They are transparent. You can hear it at the top of the hour. We say, who we are. So no one's hiding the fact, we're not hiding things like Fox hides the fact that they sponsored the Magnitsky Act. Every time they have Bill Browder on, they should say, this is a paid announcement from the Fox News Network. Because News Corporation sponsored this guy in his legislation, the Magnitsky Act. You never heard that. But we say who we are, and people will be able to hear it for themselves. But this is an effort to get us off the radio. So if we, we're on your radio, crank it up. Let people know, you know, do one of those things where you play it on a boombox outside your car, something like that. But they're not going to take it because we have a First Amendment in this country, and we'll be talking about it all show. Now, Rod, Rod our trip producer, remind me who's on in the first hour. Uh, it's going to be Carter Laren. It's going to be 4.30 to 5. You know, then he's going to co-host. And then we have Scotty and then 5.36 in the second hour. Okay, that's what I thought. Thank you. But I had trouble hearing that, you know, the intercom system right before the show started. Carter Laren, and then Carter co-hosting with the person who was featured in the CNN hit piece last night, Scotty Nell Hughes, a sometime host here, who is also was at a show at RT, and they talked about taking down RT, but they said, gee, they haven't taken down these guys yet, and. I'll tell you what else I thought was fascinating. 
that they used as a spokesman against us, James Clapper. Now, were you able to find any... James Clapper lied to Congress, blatantly. Were you able to find any clips of that, Rod? Uh, yeah, my computer's running slow. I couldn't find that exact clip, the one you were looking for. There's When you go on YouTube, there's so many of James Clapper lying, and they're too long to go through, but yeah. <laughs> right, but they used him as the example of, you know, he was the one as a spokesman for getting rid of Sputnik, and this is a perjurer. So apparently that's okay. His, his idea of freedom of speech is no Russian, even pro-Russian, even semi-pro-Russian. Because the point isn't about being pro-Russia, although I'll have more to say about that in a second. That's what's on tap today. And your calls, 202-521-1320. This is a backstory. So I'm in a great mood physically. I went to the eye doctor today, Rod, and uh, they injected my eye. Let me leave it there. Now, just stop bleeding in my eye. Remember I said yesterday, I'm having eyesight problems. But they injected me, as in with a needle. Does that sound fun? Uh, I've actually heard, because you're not, you're not the first person that, I, that I've known that's happened to. I've actually heard that they put in some numbing medication and you don't really feel it so it's a weird feeling but maybe you can tell me if, if that's wrong well it's a, it's a, it's the jab i'm not a, not a covert reference but it's it is a needle prick on your eye and it's numb but now i've got a red eye my girlfriend was telling me i was trying to get the video feed going and she said, your eyes really red. And she's telling me, I believe her. But anyway, I made it through that and I'm fully injected. But uh, I'm wondering if anyone wants to call. Did anyone see before we get to I'm, I want to save the clips, actually, I guess. Because we want to talk to scotty and carter about it but if anyone saw the piece and wants to call in and comment on it 202-521-1320 basically they were kind of you know what's funny to me was the cnn anchor whoever it was i don't even know who this is but he was kind of sad that we have a first amendment did you notice that rod yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is sad that he's kind of also sad that the the First Amendment is protecting us and uh, allowing us to put out factual information that anybody can look up and uh, reference and see if we're seeing if we're, see if we're lying. Now, what some people would say is the point of the First Amendment is to protect speech such as the speech we put out here. But they don't mean it the way I mean it. I agree. But they say, you know, even lying garbage like Russian propaganda. I disagree. I think we're telling the truth. 
And what shocks them is that we're telling the truth in an age of lies, in an empire of lies. So that's what I say. I don't apologize. I don't say, oh, no, we just spread Russian propaganda. No, we just spread truth. And they tried to slam us. Do you know what else they did in that piece? And we'll play it later for you. But the other thing that they did was they further cemented the narrative of Russian war crimes about Bukha. Did you notice that, Rod? Yeah, and people are going to hear it. They played uh, your clip. I believe it was your first day back. So I believe it was that Friday. Um, and the, you were talking about you, uh, what you were, you were talking about Putin referencing the Nazis and then they, then they, then they continue and talking about Buka, but they don't provide any evidence or anything. They just, they just mention the atrocities that happened uh, in Buka by Russian, by Russians. And then they call them war crimes as if, as I pointed out yesterday, there's been no independent corroboration that the Russians were behind war crimes in Buka. Furthermore, it makes no freaking sense. The Russians going after civilians. Now, we have some new headlines. And I heard this on NPR today. Have you heard that Ukraine has been firing missiles into Russia? I did hear about that. And I did hear about the Russian uh, Navy ship that was allegedly attacked. But then I'm also hearing that um, some ammunition exploded in the ship. So it's a little bit uh, confusing on what actually happened. So, but uh, so right. it's two different and, stories. And I saw that reported on RT. That was immediately reported by Russia. But let me point out that they're firing missiles into villages in Russia, just outside the Ukraine border. And they called it allegedly on NPR. NPR said there are allegations that they're allegedly firing missiles. And I'm here to tell you, they're not allegedly firing missiles. They're firing missiles. You know who Patrick Lancaster is? Have you followed yeah, Patrick? I've been, yeah, I've been trying to get him on the show, but I know he's pretty busy out there. He's pretty busy. And we want him to stay safe. Patrick Lancaster is a citizen journalist. He's a crowdfunded journalist. Look him up on YouTube. You type in Patrick Lancaster. You'll find it. I saw yesterday he had video from this village in Russia that was attacked by a missile. So I know it's not alleged. I saw a video. I saw the woman crying. Her house demolished. And NPR is being fake newsy. They're not denying it. They're just raising a shadow of a doubt. As though it's, it's somehow up for grabs. But I saw the footage of a woman whose house was destroyed by this. Now, Russia, the reason it's making headlines at all is that Russia is saying, watch out. Don't do that. They're warning Ukraine that cross-border attacks, attacks on Russia, will be dealt with 
by Russia with attacks on Kyiv. And like Brave once said, Putin ain't playing. And so I'm glad that Russia is saying, don't think you're going to come in and attack Russia. But the people, because there's another Patrick Lancaster video I saw this morning from Mariupol. And the, he just walked up, he was talking to a resident, and the resident showed a school in Mariupol. And the resident said, the Ukrainian troops are firing on civilians from the school. I'll say that again. They're firing on civilians, Ukrainian civilians in the town. And my girlfriend asked me, well, why would they be doing that? And here's why. They've been attacking Russian-speaking Ukrainians for a long time, for eight years. And they're very clear who they hate. And so they're, atta they're attacking. That's why I say it makes no sense that Russia would attack any civilians anywhere. And for them to do it in Buka, and the numbers keep changing. Remember, it was at 400, and then it was at 150, and it's been all over the map. I heard new numbers today. It seemed like 112, but I don't know what's going on there. There's no proof at all of Russia, their accusations by the Ukrainians, but there is no proof by Russia of Russia attacking anybody in Buga. And what there is, is ample reason to believe that it was Ukrainians, the Ukrainian troops attacking Russians and attacking Russian speaking and Russian sympathetic citizens in Buka. Because don't forget, many of them we saw their hands were tied behind their back with those white colored wristbands. And those were worn by people who were pro-Russian. And we know that. So I'm, I call out CNN. CNN, don't just say over and over, they're war crimes by Russia. There are allegations of war crimes by Ukraine who are proven liars. The government of Ukraine is proven war criminals. They have proudly posted video after video of them killing and torturing Russian soldiers on video which is a war crime. And so that's why I say we're reporting the truth and I'm not going to apologize for that. What say you, Rod? No, I'm, I'm with you on that, Lee. And like I said, um, you know, when you, when you told me about the CNN uh, hit piece and then I found it and I watched it, uh, in a, in a way, it kind of made me laugh because they don't address anything that that they even play audio from you or for Doctor Doctor Leon, and they had Scotty on. They never addressed any of it. They just, you know, they play your statement and then they move on to their uh, 
to their allegation of us having releasing uh, disinformation and propaganda. So they just they just put out an attack. Uh, you know, they throw a grenade in the room and they just turn around and run away. That's that's what they do. No, exactly right. And uh, it's disgusting because they say, well, the First Amendment even applies to war criminals. I don't agree. You have to prove the case. But the CNN viewers, the way I found out this was airing, because they say they reached out to us and I didn't respond. Did you get a call, Rod? No, I didn't get a call. I didn't get a call from anybody. Right. I didn't hear anything from anybody at CNN. No one asked me. And I'd be surprised if, therefore, they ask Wilmer. I know they asked Scotty, and we'll talk to her about that. But if you saw that piece last night, give us a call at 202-521-1320. Let us know what you think. Now, it's fortuitous that that attack came last night because today there's big Elon Musk news. You heard the Elon Musk news, right, Rod? Oh, yeah, the uh, the Internet or Twitter itself is a little bit on fire from uh, the radical far left who are freaking out about Elon Musk possibly buying Twitter. Now, I t- and here's one reason. Here's a... Is it fair to call Elon Musk a white guy? Is that fair? No, that's definitely fair. Yeah, because I, I don't know what he is. He's Canadian. That automatically makes you more white than most people. Right? Just by, But I believe he's... I, I forget his ethnic heritage. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I, I know he's, he's got some ethnic heritage. I think it's somewhere in Europe but I don't know it offhand. Right, neither do I, and I don't care. But I'm just saying that the Canadian part alone makes him an especially white guy. So here's a white guy and a billionaire about to stand up for the First Amendment. He announced earlier in the week he will not be joining the board of Twitter, and that freed him up to buy Twitter. And he's made an offer now to buy Twitter. And this is so awesome. Now, I've I've been consciously optimistic, but I've been publicly. Have I not been optimistic about Elon Musk, Rod? No, no, you, def- you definitely have. A lot of people have, uh, a lot of people who have been pessimistic, um, like, like myself, I, you know, I'm still waiting to see. Hopefully he can pull it off. Uh, He's put a lot of money down. I think uh, I read that he's offered nine more dollars a share. And uh, economics, people who are heavily involved in economics say that'd be uh, stupid not to take that. But if these far leftists are as stupid as we think they are, they might not want to take it. Yeah, we'll see what happens when the dollars show up and they, you know, have kind of a threat of losing, because they know they're going to be fired. That's the other thing that's come up. Elon Musk is planning for the employee firings. But this, the reason I've been optimistic is Elon Musk has this internet satellite company. 
called Starlink. And he came out early in the war and he said he supports Ukraine. But he was asked to please take down Russian news networks from Starlink. So anyone who gets internet through him could no longer get Sputnik or RT or TASS. And he refused to do it. And that means he embodies the principle. I appreciate the fact that he was not pro-Russian and did it. I would have preferred he get educated on the issue and, like me, became pro-Russian. That would be great. But I like the fact that he was willing to say the point is freedom of speech, not one specific view. And Elon Musk is a revolutionary. And he's a revolutionary through capitalism. I think a lot of the reason that people are freaked out is they've been saying for a while, they've been hiding behind, well, it's a private company. Well, this is great. What are you going to say now? Now the private company is not doing the censorship that you want. It's a private company still. And this is functioning exactly the way it should. And I'm curious to see what Carter says about that. So let's talk to Carter about it coming up, because I know he's a fan of capitalism. Go ahead, Rod. Hey, Lee, I just wanted to uh, – also, we have that clip of Elon Musk from TED Talk today. But I wanted to talk about a story that I haven't really uh, heard anybody really uh, talk about. Uh, Maybe you heard about Did you hear about the two uh, fake DHS agents that got arrested? No. Uh, do you want? Can I can I read you the uh, the article? Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, uh, federal prosecutors argued two men, uh, Arian Tazarady and Hadir Ali, had posed as fake agents and offered the gifts and effort to integrate themselves and integrate with law enforcement agents, including a Secret Service agent assigned to the perf- uh, to the protect the First Lady. Uh, they were both arrested by the FBI uh, last week. Uh, they found they were found with body armor, gas masks, zip ties, handcuffs, uh, equipment through breakthrough doors, drones, radios, police training manuals, and ace. And they've they found this in five different apartments in the building. Uh, one of them, so, uh, allegedly connected in DC. Okay. And one of them was allegedly connected to the Pakistan Pakistan government, uh, maybe even the, pa- the Pakistani ISI side of it. We had a John Kerryock talk about that, uh, I believe it was last week. So that's something that hasn't really been talked about. And they've also been alleged to be worked with the January 6th uh, insurrection. So what were the agent provocateurs? Is that what was going on? They were they were posing as DHS agents and they were giving gifts to other agents of other departments. And like I like they just said, uh, even the Secret Service agents, uh, they were giving them gifts to ingratiate themselves with them. So it's a it's a story that really hasn't been really talked about. Uh, It's been very lightly touched. And they were just released on bail two days ago. Thanks for filling us in on that, Rod. What was that again? Command Central. Okay. so, Rod, the other story is Frank James, the alleged New York subway terrorist 
smoke bomb thrower, shooter of people. 20 people injured, 10 shot in New York. He was arrested yesterday. We reported that. Today, he had the first arraignment and was charged with the one federal crime, which is committing a terrorist act. And not surprisingly, his attorney suggested he may be crazy. Now, do we have the clip of Frank James from yesterday, Command Central? Okay, let's play that. When this modern uh, society, we call it, collapses, and I think this is going to be a deliberate thing. It's going to be a deliberate thing. Again, to reduce the population. And anybody who survives, they'll, they'll, they'll re- rebuild and, and recreate a... a, a a new place of space for them. They may even have a green zone. I don't know. I don't know. It's going. It's going to be. It's going. Whatever it's going to be. It's going to be up for a time. Again, if it's not the end completely, and I don't believe it is the end completely. For them, anyway, and for the ones that they decide are going to be here. But for us, it's in for us. <laughs> it's in the road for us if, if this was about to be. So you know, um, I want to make this a long video. I had really much to say. You know, the usual things that I talk about are on my mind. I'm just trying to focus in on getting to my final destination safely, you know, uh, and um, then just moving on with my life. What else can I do? Again, if the, if if the if if doomsday if I, if I'm not caught up in doomsday, which I just might be, because any day, any day and every day from here on out, as we can see, could be doomsday. They keep talking about it and talking about this World War Three, World War Three. This could possibly be World War Three. This is World War Three. World War Three. That's the last. How do you say? It? Three strikes and you out. Three strikes and you out. World War One, World War Two, World War Three. We out of here. Nuclear bombs are in play. Four thousand. America has four thousand. Russia has four thousand. China has hypersonic missiles that goes five to seven times faster than speed of sound that can reach us so fast we wouldn't have time to read that and all that anti-aircraft do nothing well let's just say frank from new york thanks for calling on 202-521-1320 i that could have been at some some days if it was a little we had, we had it would have had it tell him to stop swearing but other than that, that sounds like any number of people I've heard on YouTube. Would you agree, Rod? He kind of sounds like a lot of people. Yeah, no, that, that's what I was saying. He's, he's, you know, he's obviously paying somewhat paying attention to the media. He's talking about World War Three, and I wouldn't, you know, he's obviously got other videos and clips, but uh, he seems, you know, to say he's crazy in that 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 defense. He seems pretty coherent about what he's talking about right there. Yeah, the crazy part comes when you pack smoke bombs and guns and go into a subway train. I think the talking part wasn't the part where he was especially crazy, but where he took it over into the weapons. And, you know, it's hard not to argue that the guy is slightly nuts for doing that. Also, it's weird. The people who are injured, 10 people, I heard, if you heard this, 
a lot of them were shot in the legs. Have yeah, you heard and, of the- yeah, you can see it in the, in that one video when they're coming out. I, I I really didn't see anybody shot from the waist up, so, uh, but I did notice that, that a lot of people were bleeding from the waist down. And I wonder what he was. I I I gotta believe that was intentional. I gotta believe he was aiming low. But anyway, we got Carter Laren coming on, joining us after this break. Let's go to the devil break. We'll be back in two minutes on the backstory. On the backstory, 105.5 FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C., on the radio despite CNN and the Washington Post. But you can see they're terrified because some congressmen might. I don't think a lot of congressmen are walking around with radios or driving around this D.C., we do know that a lot of Lyft drivers and Uber drivers seem to play our station. Haven't we found that out, Rod? Have we discovered yeah. that we're yeah, popular? And cab dri- yeah, and DC cab drivers as well. And um, I think they like to hear, they don't, they don't like to hear the uh, establishment narrative. They like to hear some truth that they can verify and call and question about, because we do have people question uh, some, of, some of the things we talk about as well. Yes, and they're they, they the reason they're frightened by the radio is that anyone could tune in and accidentally come across it and say, "What is this? The truth? Oh my gosh!" And I I've got to point out the way I work is I tell you, don't trust me. I tell you where to look up these references, and what I would do with CNN is if they denied something, I'd go, well, look at this Reuters story from April 4th. It says right there, they've not been able to independently confirm any of the allegations about Buga. And the Pentagon even said that. Joining us now as our guest host and guests, well, I don't know, what is he? I guess he's a guest technically, and he's not a guest host until next hour. But whoever he is, he's Carter Aaron. Carter, how you doing? <laughs> hey Lee, I'm the. What I am is that cousin that's visiting that you really just wish would leave, uh, and I'm gonna eat all the food in your fridge. That's what I'm here to do. I would try cheese first before it goes moldy. So, Thank Carter. You. I am really happy about this Elon Musk development of trying to buy Twitter. And I love how freaked out, like a lot of, not I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who seem to hate the First Amendment. Yes. And who are especially freaked out. And they're especially freaked out, I think, because this is to me, 
capitalism at its best. It's somebody who I think believes in free speech and believes it's important. And so he's putting his money where his mouth is. So if it goes the way it could go, the way it seems like it's shaping up, I applaud Elon Musk wholeheartedly for it. But I think it's freaking people out because it's the system working the way it should. It wasn't a government mandate. It wasn't someone stepping in and passing a law. It's the market working. What do you, what do you think, Carr? Yeah, I mean, I, I've generally been, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I would say the past couple of years have been a little bit of a black pill. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit, um, you know, it, I've had, I've had few things to celebrate, but this is one of these things that I'm, uh, tentatively very optimistic about. I mean, uh, you've seen Elon kind of go down the, uh, just to use the, the metaphor red pilling over the last couple of years. Um, he's been very open about free speech. Um, I think, you know, I, I said when he didn't join the board, I said, well, maybe he's going to be, maybe he's not joining the board because the letter that he signed with, uh, with the CEO was an agreement not to own 14.9% or more of the company. And so maybe he has other plans. Elon Musk is not a guy who dabbles. He doesn't do, you know, if you look at his companies that he's founded, SpaceX, you know, the vision of SpaceX isn't like a 10% improvement on rocket efficiency, right? It's, we want to colonize Mars. He thinks very, very big. Um, and he's been pretty clear about his vision here. If you, did you, did you see, the letter attached to his SEC filing? No, I did not. But he has this letter that he he sent to the board, uh, actually to Brett Taylor, who's the chairman of the board. And it's super short. And he just, I'll, I'll read part of it. He says, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve the societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. And so then he has his offer. And at the end, he says, Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a, uh, it's a based thing to write. I may use that phrase. Yes. It, and it is exactly what I want to hear. You know what I'm saying? I think it's what yes. a lot of us would hope and pray someone taking over the company. And I, th I thought about this too. Why didn't Donald Trump make a play to invest or buy the company? Well, uh, you know, first of all, I imagine that Elon, before he wrote the very first check for the first share of Twitter stock, had this as a potential outcome um because he's not a dumb guy so i think um i think elon was thinking this might go the direction where i need to make a tender offer for twitter and you know that's something that's much easier for elon musk to do than donald trump i mean donald trump may be successful but he can't write a 43 million dollar check uh and this is a cash offer so maybe not but bannon steve bannon my old boss we were talking about Trump one day, and he pointed out something. Trump doesn't ever invest his own money. Trump 
gets together with people and puts together money. If Donald Trump had wanted to get, I'll put it like this, the my pillow guy get some money from him and and start raising capital. If Donald Trump wanted to do this, he should have done this. He should have he should have used the market to prove his point. I don't think he had the the guts to do it, the intestinal fortitude. Oh, or I was going to say a word that I probably can't say on the radio because the <laughs> FCC. So I'll say testicular fortitude. Yes, but, yes, I, I thought that was maybe the word you were thinking of. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I don't. I also don't think Trump. Uh, I don't think Trump has the skill set to. Uh, he's not a technologist. I mean, the guy made his money in real estate and entertainment. I don't. I don't see him. Uh, I don't see him running a company like Twitter. I imagine Elon has huge plans for um, like e- even just foundational technology ideas for Twitter. And I don't, I don't just, it's not up Trump's alley. Uh, but I agree. I mean, he, he could have tried that instead. He went off and did his own social network. I think odd, oddly enough, if Elon is, we should talk about whether he can purchase this, whether it will happen, but if he can purchase Twitter, um, I don't think it bodes well for truth social or getter or parlor or anything else because Twitter has the critical mass. Uh, they've got the wide audience and the only reason that all these other technologies were even slightly attractive, even though their usability is much less is because there wasn't censorship. If Elon removes censorship from Twitter, um, you know, it's a, it's a smart move in terms of market share. And I'll tell you who else is going after in a way potentially is YouTube. We've talked about the problems of YouTube and Twitter a few months ago killed Periscope. And that was their independent video streaming platform. And they kind of killed it. It still exists in sort of mutant form. But by Elon Musk bringing back and improving on Periscope, he could take on YouTube. And if he intends to do that, and I, I, you know, we talked about, let's talk about other technology. You talked about Elon being a technologist. Well, whoever is a technologist, they're not working at Twitter now because they have this thing called Twitter Spaces, which is an audio only chat platform. And its implementation is horrible. It is a very bad interface. Yeah. If he improves those things. They just copied Clubhouse. Right. Right. It was competition for Clubhouse. Oh, which is another app. But it's a bad implementation. If they do bring back a live streaming platform and get a live audio, a live podcasting and the ability to play recorded material, let's say, that they don't quite have now in spaces. If they implement that, Twitter could absolutely smoke both YouTube and Clubhouse for being a free speech streaming platform. What say you, Carter? 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say this because just this morning I was thinking, well, if the guy cares about sometimes you have to shift your mindset when you're thinking about someone with that much resources and whose visions are are that grand. Right. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, OK, well, if I care about free speech and I'm Elon Musk and I'm I'm willing to think big. Clearly, YouTube has got to be on my radar. I mean, they've been just as censorious, if not worse than Twitter recently. They've had a huge impact on public discourse. So he has to like and and buying Alphabet is a lot different than buying Twitter. So you can't buy YouTube, but you could buy Twitter and reimagine what Twitter actually is. Um, and I don't think it's just re-enabling Periscope or fixing their clubhouse knockoff. I, I think he might just have an entire reimagining of what Twitter could become. And and absolutely, you're right. It, it could become something that does have space for um, videos that are both live and and stored and replayed. And it it could really be something that that knocks YouTube off of its pedestal because YouTube, you know, I guess if you're interested in makeup videos, it's still fine. But if you want to look at anything remotely political or cultural on, on YouTube, um, you know, they prioritize the boring old lying corporate press and they, and they suppress everyone else. So YouTube has become this, you know, boring propaganda machine. You know, there's, uh, there's some stuff on it that's not propaganda, obviously. I mean, we're on YouTube, but we get suppressed and we have to be careful about what we say so that we don't get banned. And, you know, we're just one small channel. It happens all over. You've heard plenty of people use, uh, lose their YouTube accounts. So, yeah, I think it's definitely on. It's got to be on Elon's radar. There's no way it's not on his radar. Well, the other thing that could be on his radar is search. Twitter actually has something called Twitter advanced search that type into Google or whatever. You can find it easily. The Twitter advanced search is very good, but it's evil. By which I mean they shadow ban. The shadow banning has to stop. That's one of the areas where Twitter is at its most insidious. They I've looked up stuff that I've I know I typed. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know I typed this thing and I couldn't find it in Twitter advanced search because it's being suppressed. And that's one of the ways of they they shadow ban search. But by getting rid of that, it could turn Twitter into a I'll put it like this. Let me compare Twitter to Facebook. There are some people I know who love Facebook and they're on Facebook all day. I don't understand those people, but I do understand Twitter. I can spend all day on Twitter because there's live breaking stuff and you're getting stuff in short bursts. And Facebook just is a mess of, you know, ads and everything else. But yep. I think he could reimagine Twitter as the place you can spend all day checking in and out. What do you think, Carr? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he could. Um, 
and you know twitter it's as strange as as it is to say at least as a as a guy who was a full-grown adult well before twitter ever existed uh it's strange to think that a lot of people just get their news from twitter and i started getting my news from twitter intentionally if i heard that something happened or whatever it, twitter is where i went first because that's where you're going to get the guy who's got his cell phone out doing a live stream of whatever's going on at the moment it's not anywhere else it's on twitter um you know i guess it's a few other places sometimes but twitter's the place for that so i the interesting yeah. thing to me is um whether he'll get away with buying the company because management clearly hates this yes and I mean, they don't they don't want this this would be a real win for the people. And and I say that I'm optimistic going in. Things could be a disaster. But Carter, let's play this. We have a clip of Elon Musk gave a TED Talk today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to command central to set up. We're going to play the clip. Then when we come back, Carter, you pick it up and you comment on it. And I'm sitting away from the mic for a minute. So... Let's play the clip and then Carter comment on the clip. Go ahead. Was there a question? <laughs> why, why, why make that offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech uh, where all, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, the, the, the Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, so, uh, it, it, it's just really important that people have the both the uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets. You know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind-the-scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Um, yeah, yeah uh, this is, he's been on this kick for a while, and I think it's an interesting... Uh, this is an interesting idea, this idea that you open source the algorithm and let everyone see what's going on. I mean, censorship is... Um, you know, even the, the one of the problems with Twitter is you don't know if you're being censored when they do these things like shadow ban or um, when sometimes they'll they'll kick people off of the platform. But you won't know why. Uh, sometimes they will uh, just deprioritize things where it seems like they do. But because no one has any transparency, they don't have any trust in the platform. So I think uh, I think it's an interesting idea to to restore that trust or attempt to restore that trust by making the algorithm itself um, public. It does open up. I mean, it does open you up to exploitation of that algorithm. Um, but, you know, it could be designed in a way that's, that's hard to exploit. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think it's interesting. The other thing he said in that Ted talk, which was not in the clip was he talked about the economics of this not being very important to him. This isn't about, at least, you know, if we're going to take him at face value, this isn't about Elon trying to make as much money as possible. 
um, he he was really adamant that he felt that free speech was uh, important. He he was a free speech absolutist, and that the economics of the situation were secondary to him. Which I guess, if you have two hundred and sixty billion dollars, um, then <laughs> then the economics can be secondary to you. It it's not surprising, in a sense, because broadly speaking. Elon's in the transportation business. And the trans, you know what? I hear people talk about capitalism all the time who don't understand capitalism. They say, they'll say stuff, for instance, a lot of leftists, if they talk about capitalism, they'll say the job is to make as much money as possible. No, it's not. No, it's to make, because if, if that were the case, Small restaurants that sell Cajun food or whatever, whatever is not popular, Cajun is popular, so it's a bad example. But they would shut down, and what you'd have is everybody be in the same business, the money-making business. Capitalism is not about making the most money. Sometimes it's about doing something you like. And making a pretty good living as opposed to doing something you hate and making a killing on it. So that is very true about transportation. One thing that's said about transportation is it's hard to make money in transportation, but it provides infrastructure for lots of other businesses to make money. And I think Elon understands that. And I think he understands that there are, in other words, he's not making a sacrifice. It's the opposite of that. He's acting profoundly selfish. He realizes that other things that he likes flourish when you have free speech. And Carter, I spoke in language I thought you'd understand. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're using yeah, I, I, coding, objectivist coding for you. <laughs> You did use objectivist coding. Look, I, I am glad that you brought that up because I think it's a really profound point. And you could make that point with SpaceX. I mean, I don't think he woke up one morning and said, you know, the way to get to be the richest person and to make the most money is to colonize Mars. Uh, I, I think he wanted to colonize Mars. And then he said, well, what do I need to do to get there? Um, okay, well, I need to have, I need to be able to do rockets and that needs to be self-sustaining and, and, you know, I need to make enough money to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So I, 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 I do agree with you. And I think one thing that the leftists, and it's ironic because they, they hate money. They'll, they'll, they'll gripe about money being the root of all evil and they'll hate money. Uh, and they'll think that capitalism is all about making as much money as possible when really capitalism is only just about private property and freedom. It's about the freedom to do what you want with your own property. And money is not the measure of happiness or, or much else in life. And almost everyone, I mean, with I, I can't even think of any exceptions, almost everyone makes trade-offs between making more money and doing something else, like spending time with your family or spending some of your money and enjoying something or uh, doing something that you love rather than something you hate. All of those factors play a role. Money is just a... a tool of exchange, but it's not the goal in capitalism. Um, and I don't think it's Elon's goal either. 
So I'm glad you brought that point up. And I think Elon's goal is he pictures a cool world. I don't know how else to put it, but a lot of things he seems to enjoy, like wouldn't it be cool if you could travel to Mars or wouldn't it be cool if you could run your house on a battery or wouldn't it be cool if you could get the internet anywhere? You know, Starlink, the internet service, has profound implications for people living in a cabin in the wilderness. You know what I'm saying? If you could get yeah. quality Wi-Fi as good as cable modems, right, out of a cabin in the woods, that's a big deal. And he enables stuff like that. Having a battery-powered house, have it being powered by a giant battery, solves a lot of problems for independent living. And it seems to me, by, as someone, I, unlike John Kiriakou, I've made a dinner with Elon Musk. Did you know that John Kiriakou was at dinner with Elon Musk? I didn't. I didn't. And he didn't even was know this? it was he. he he didn't a few years ago, and he didn't even know it was Elon Musk. He was like, "What's your name again?" And he's like, "Elon Musk." He's he's like, "Wait, are you the Elon Musk?" And <laughs> yeah, he was. But uh, <laughs> he likes. He seems to me to like technology, and he also seems old enough to remember you. I'm. I I don't know how old you are, Carter, but I know you're not in your twenties. That's fair to say. Right. It is fair. And so you remember yes. the promise of the internet when the internet seemed like it would be the solution to a lot of problems by allowing everybody to compete against big media companies that at very worst were putting together homogenized content because the barriers to entry were so high. And I remember the dream of the internet. And I think Elon Musk is of the age where he remembers the dream of the internet. Carter, what say you? Yeah, I know he's of that age. Um, Cause uh, I know. So I'm friends with a guy who was his college roommate and he's still close friends with Elon. And that guy's, I think maybe a year older than me. So Elon there, you know, he's definitely, he de he's definitely, uh, you know, I don't know how old he is. I guess we could look it up, but he definitely remembers that age. And, um, and I'm sure that he had a similar experience. I mean, he's always been a technologist. So I, you know, the, the at the beginning, the internet was a lot messier and difficult to navigate, but, but it did have that anarchic feel to it where there was anything was, was, I mean, some bad stuff too, but anything was there. Uh, there was, it wasn't homogenized by any means. And, you know, uh, I, do you remember when, um, CompuServe, do you remember that? Do you remember CompuServe? Yes. Yes. People rejected it because it was basically a modern day Facebook, not in, in the sense that it was homogenized. Everything went through their portal. And the same thing with AOL. People rejected that. When we come back, we'll have more with Carter Laren on a special First Amendment edition of the backstory.
And we are live from the Empire of Lies and embodying the First Amendment. It's time for the show that tells the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan, joined by guest co-host Carter Laren, and this is The Backstory. Carter, I want to thank our guest last hour, Carter Laren. Help me join in, Carter. We, we, we had him on, and he, he was a great guest, wasn't he, Carter? He was all right. Uh, I find him a little bit obnoxious sometimes, but, you know, it was good. This hour, Scotty Nell Hughes, former RT correspondent and Sputnik host sometimes, and embodiment of the First Amendment, too. We're talking about the smear by CNN, which we'll be playing this hour, because we believe in playing the smears. Carter, what's the name of the show? You're listening to The Backstory. Now, did you see the smear, the CNN hit piece on this show and this network? No, I I missed that. Uh, Let me guess. Are you um, Putin apologist, Russian propaganda, fake news? Yes, but furthermore, we're dangerous because, you know, First Amendment is dangerous. And we're going to be playing. We, uh, my belief, my base belief is something Andrew Breitbart used to say all the time. The solution is more voices, not less. And I've talked in the past about how I met Andrew Breitbart. And the first night I talked to him, we talked about music. Aztec Camera and the Smiths and Depeche Mode. And I liked that guy. And I was shocked that I was talking to a conservative about Depeche Mode or the Frankie Goes to Hollywood concert that he went to. And because, you know, that's the music I grew up with. I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. And I was very proud a few years ago to have met Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. And I grew up in the era where I understood, when did you get involved in technology? Me? Uh, let's see, 19, I would say, uh, I'd say 86. I was, I was 10 or 12 in 1986. I would say somewhere around there. I was in about, well, maybe a little bit earlier. I was in about sixth grade when I got my, when I got my first Apple II computer and was pirating video games. So... I was a nerd. So I remember the progression. You you came in about the time zines. Do you remember zines? <laughs> yes. When, when yes. De- desktop publishing became all the rage. When I was growing up, 70s and 80s was start your own band. You know, don't, you don't have to play an instrument. You can learn later. Start your own band. And we're inspired by bands like the Ramones, and Joy Division, which became New Order, where it was mm-hmm. about starting a band, dressing cool, and learning to play instruments as you went. Then by the 80s, 
laser printers. You remember those? Yes. Were yes. the new technology. And laser printers brought high quality printing that anyone could do at home. And there was the era of the zines, which were magazines and newspapers anybody could publish. And I remember that. So, so my guess was that was around the era you came in, right? Zines around that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was definitely, I mean, I, w- I was aware of zines. I wasn't really into them myself because I was way more interested in actual programming. So if, if there was a couple, you know, if there were zines that I, it, they might have been about hacking um, that I liked. But, uh, but yeah, I was much, I was, I was a ner- as nerdy as you can get at, at, uh, in sixth grade, basically was my. Not those, not those published on a uh, laser printer, but do you remember 2600? Oh yeah, all twenty six hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all the the phone freaking stuff. I used to I used to do that. Uh, I was that's my era. Yeah, and then we had, and I was there for the birth of digital video, and uh, by which I I was an Amiga user, and that was a heavily nerd computer, but the Amiga gave birth to desktop video. And I saw it, and the promise of you could start your own TV network or your own TV channel or just your own show. And so you were talking about makeup videos. You weren't dissing makeup videos. You were just saying it's content that's safe, right? Because I don't care. If people want to talk about makeup, I want people to be able to do that. Well, I was dissing them aesthetically as a personal preference, but of course they should make as you know, people want makeup videos, watch them. I don't care. Right. And and a lot of people have gotten very good at doing makeup videos and talking about fashion and cooking or whatever. I've noticed that people have gotten very good at hosting videos. It used to be a skill set that few people needed because when were you ever gonna host a video? But have you noticed now lots of people are, are very good at saying, hey, welcome, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button. They're very smooth at doing that. I'm no longer one of those people, but I appreciate the aesthetic. So uh, let's go to the calls. 202-521-1320. Tarif, what is on your mind? Thank, thank y'all for taking my a call. I'd first like to say free general assignment. I have four comments. My first comment is this bill, H.R. 7311. It's basically it's going to be put, if it's voted um, for, it's going to be used to put sanctions or, you know, restrictions on African nations that do business with Russia or, or that's neutral with Russia or choose to, you know, you know do business with Russia. And a congressman that's pushing it is Representative Gregory Meeks out of from out of New York. And um, I saw this uh, um, from a, a um, Ethiopian um, um, tweet that was tweeted out that it's basically going to punish African nations for being neutral or doing business with Russia. That's not right. My second comment is dealing with Elon Musk. His offer, which y'all know already, was rejected by um, Twitter. By the main person that rejected the person that rejected was Ben Talib Al Said. You know he rejected it, talking about it should be 
more money and he got potential growth. Now, you got to remember, he was one of the princes that was opposed by Prince, Crown Prince Ben Simon, right? Now, it was it is rumored that Talib Ali Sadiq is cool with the Clintons. Keep that in mind. I remember that years ago that he's, you know, basically cool with the Clintons and the Bushes. You know, he's part of that old Saudi clique that's part of the Bushes and Clintons. Um, my third comment, Russia showed a video of Ukrainian troops and Ukrainian equipment to the Russians, which is basically, you know, it, it, when you see the video, it's basically staged, but at the same time, if you... It's basically propaganda to put out there to put it in the mind of the Ukrainians that they can sell the equipment because you got to remember, Ukraine ser- cell phone service is not being blo- jammed. It's not being blocked, so people can still watch videos. You, Ukrainian troops can still watch videos, so I'm pretty sure they're going to see that video. They're probably going to start thinking that they can sell the equipment, then leave the wall. You know what I'm saying? So that's how propaganda, you know, works. Last comment. Which um, I don't know you reported on them, um, but the Baltic will now become a nuclear arms site now since Sweden and Finland wants to join NATO. Medvedev stated yesterday that if Finland and Sweden join NATO, Russia will have no choice but to arm the Baltic regions, the northern, um, like the um, the, the North Pole in a um, nuclear way. Thank you all for taking my call, Lee. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Rick Hall, as usual, a lot of good points there. Now, Carter, I, let me set you up with a softball question. But I want to start, feel free to wax philosophical about the First Amendment. How, because this really is bringing home what I think, you know, we recently had a Supreme Court justice. And I don't remember any questions. I didn't see them if they were there. Why aren't senators asking a Supreme Court nominee how sacrosanct they view the First Amendment? I want to hear what a Supreme Court nominee thinks about that. But I, I'll tell you, the, the First Amendment gets short shrift from a lot of people. Second Amendment advocates, gun gun people, often get teary-eyed when talking about the Second Amendment. But I care about the First Amendment, and so did our founding fathers since they made the first one. So I think this has profound effects on do you think that too many people take the First Amendment for granted and don't realize what a genius and revolutionary thing that was, Carter? I mean, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that you don't see a lot of um, questions to Supreme Court justices is uh, I think the days of – I mean, the, the last major organization I can remember that used to be um, pretty good on the first amendment was the ACLU. Um, now they're no longer are, but they used to be the kind of organization that would defend, uh, you know, just horrific people based on first amendment saying, you know, sorry, it's, it's a principle. There's a principle involved here. Um, and they have a right to, to, to free speech. 
Um, they don't do that anymore. And I don't think either side of the political aisle, for the most part in the US, I don't think either side really cares about it. I mean, the left will talk about the First Amendment when they feel like they're being censored, and the right will talk about the First Amendment when they feel like being censored. But when they want to censor the other side, um, they'll come up with all sorts of rational rationalizations for why whatever it is they want to do doesn't count. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that's why you don't see a lot of – I don't think there are a lot of First Amendment absolutists in Congress. W w do you? No. The, the closest you find, and the closest you find is people like Thomas Massey, or maybe Rand Paul, the libertarian-leaning ones. But there's no one on the left who I think is a conscientious free speech advocate. No one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I and you know I I want to I want to bring up something that this caller mentioned because I think it's. This is an important point to realize about companies like Twitter, since this is all related to or Twitter's the, the impetus for this discussion. So he brought up uh, Al-Walid bin Talal, who is um, in charge. He's a he's a Saudi royal and he's in charge of the Kingdom Holding Company. Uh, now, a lot of people don't realize how much some of these Middle Eastern nations, especially Saudi Arabia and uh, the Royals, they don't realize how much investing they do. And, um, and he's right. This guy did on Twitter, uh, reject Elon's offer. Now, of course he only owns, you know, 5% or whatever, but he said, I, you know, I, he doesn't think it, his offer comes close to the intrinsic value of Twitter, which is obviously bull because, uh, his offer is much higher than Twitter's market cap. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a very good offer. I mean, he's saying that he's rejecting this offer and, and Elon actually responded to that. And I think the response is important to say, Elon said, interesting, just two questions. If I may, how much of Twitter does the kingdom own directly and indirectly? And what are the kingdom's views on journalistic freedom of speech? <laughs> and I think he's really getting to the heart of the matter here, which is, We've got this tool that Elon is, is arguing has become the default public square. And so we need to have um, freedom of speech respected on it. And we need to have an open dialogue. And yet some of the major shareholders are literal kings and princes, like literal royalty from, from monarchies in the Middle East uh, who clearly – maybe don't care so much about freedom of speech is a polite way to put it. Um, and I think that's important for people to realize that, you know, this is not, we tend as Americans, we tend to, to say, well, you know, most people believe in freedom of speech uh, on some level. And, and as you're saying, even now, that's not even uh, as common as it once was. But you got to remember, there's large swaths of the world that don't believe in it in any way at all. Um, it's not even on their radar. It's, it wouldn't, it's completely inimical to their entire being. And the government of Saudi Arabia is one of it. I think coming out and asking a question on Twitter, having a discussion publicly is the value of Twitter. It shows why Twitter is important. I, I'm glad they're having a discussion publicly, and I'm curious to see what he comes back with. Or if he addresses Elon Musk at all. But 
We have Bravo I on. Doubt, I doubt he will. <laughs> yeah, me too. Now, now, Command Central, how long is the clip, the first clip we have from CNN? Okay, let's do this. I'll pick up on Brave after. Let's play the first clip, and then we'll go to Brave. But I want to play the clip first. Go ahead, Command Central. Hit it. Driving around downtown Washington, if you tune the radio to 105.5 FM, you land on... You're listening to Radio Sputnik. Radio Sputnik, a station funded by a Russian state media agency, playing in the American capital on public airwaves. Here in D.C., you can listen to Sputnik on both FM and AM radio. Their shows are hosted by Americans, and they continue to broadcast even when other Russia-backed outlets have been taken off of platforms like YouTube and Facebook because of Russia's war in Ukraine. The host can often be heard parroting Kremlin talking points on Ukraine. I already knew that Ukrainian Nazis were real. And when Putin started talking about it, I was like, well, it's about time you talk about it. Host Lee Stranahan calls himself pro-Russian. And while the world condemns Russia for the atrocities in Bucha, where Ukrainians were bound and executed, some Sputnik hosts aren't convinced. There's not much dispute about whether these atrocities actually occurred. I think the question is, who's responsible for doing it? They claim to simply be offering a different viewpoint, asking questions, challenging the narrative, which often veers into seeing conspiracies, seeding doubt and distrust, classic elements of disinformation. The companies that put Sputnik on the air are forced to register as foreign agents with the Justice Department. Sputnik is required to tell listeners who backs them, a media group funded by the Russian government. And so there we go. There's the first part of CNN's smear last night. And Carter, just any quick thoughts on that before we go to Brave? I mean, I find it amusing. I mean, uh, <laughs> let's see. What, what Can we just think off the top of our head some hoaxes that CNN has put forward? Uh, there was the Russian collusion hoax. Um, there was the Hunter Biden, uh, thing, which they dismissed as not true. Um, there was the Nick Sandman story that they pushed. Um, they lied about Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a whole bunch I'm forgetting, but, uh, it's kind of rich coming from CNN. That's my, that's my first reaction. And they say classic elements. And, and by the way, my point is not to. I'm speaking for myself here because I'm not speaking for anyone else, but speaking for myself, my point is not just to provide an alternative. It's to get to the truth. When I address issues, I try to get to the truth. And I think it's sad that that's an alternative. That should be the default goal of everybody. And it's clearly not. Let's go to... Brave, 202-521-1320. Brave, what's on your mind? Hey, how's it going, guys? I, um, you, you guys are much better than I am. You, you are much better people than I am. I find that to be infuriating. If, if, if it wasn't for, um, if it wasn't for everything that was going on currently, if we weren't in the current predicament that we are, if we weren't um, suffering from the current onslaught 
of uh, control that that we're seeing just kind of wash over over the nation right now, like over the world, really. I, I, I could just say, I could just look at it as, you know, just CNN, uh, doing what CNN does or uh, mainstream media just doing what they do, right, and just sucking at it. Um, and, and it could just be a, a thing that's just as simple as comparing um, real journalism to uh, corporate-owned talking talking ads, right? But with everything that's going on and the and – and I'm sure the irony is in Lawson, you guys, but with everything that's going on and uh, – is the, the 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 way things have been ramping up? Because um, I, I just I I don't see it as one uh, situation uh, unto itself. I, I think I brought this up before uh, when I was called in. Um, it, it's it's like we are being conditioned uh, right through through uh, a series of incidents, right? And they're just like they're continuously ramping up the public. I was actually calling in to talk about the um, the New York train guy, right? And um, my point was going to be that I think we're going to see a lot more of that as um, as America continues to decline because if you're in a good position right now, you know, you're not really feeling the desperation. You're not really feeling the fear as much. Uh, you may be concerned about it, but you're not, you know, you're, you're, your stomach's not touching your spine. But for a lot of Americans, right, um, things are getting desperate and they're, they're only getting worse. So, and I'm not, by by no means am I justifying his actions at all. What What I am saying, though, is that, you're going to see a lot of things that, were, that are going to be classified as crazy, but it's not crazy. It's fear. It's desperation. It could be. You could say it's crazy. You could say it's evil. But you're going to see a lot of this stuff happening, and and I I wonder just how bad it's going to get because when you have the American president come out, because you know they never want to, they never speak truthfully. They never want to tell you the truth. They never want to warn you of anything bad coming. They just have it happen. They make up a lie. When you have the American president who probably had a a. a I don't know, a, a, a dementia moment or something, come out and say, hey, there's not going to be food, right? <laughs> think, about, think about the implications of that, right? And, 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 and they're using this time frame, I think, and I don't want to go on too long, but they're using this time frame, I think, to seize control of not only public opinion, but just the, the public, um, no, yeah, of, of, of the public opinion, the, uh, the public uh, viewpoint on everything. This, this is like some Orwellian stuff, and we're being set up for it. And you know, we, we get caught up with the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, but I really don't think that's as big a deal as much as the, the, the tax they're putting in place, that they're using it as an excuse to put in place. Where is all of this money going? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I've heard no one say, um, you know, they say, about, oh, weapons are going here, weapons are going there, but no one has really looked into where is all of this money going, <laughs> right? While things are steadily declining here, we talk about it, we fuss about it, but no one has dug into that. And the idea that they're pressing Ukraine, and I'm sorry this is a rant, but the idea that they're pressing Ukraine and Russia as if it's just this is big global uh, war event, which the implications of it are, the things surrounding it are, but the actual war itself, it, it's really a small scale thing because there's been bombings in Ukraine and no one cares, and I'm sorry, in, 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 um, in Yemen, and no one cared about that. So what's going on in Haiti, nobody cares about that. We were in Afghanistan and Iraq for how long? And the media just didn't cover it. And so the American people didn't care about it. So why now are we being made to care about this? Why now is CNN and, and, and corporate media going after Sputnik and RT? It's not just about the, the, the Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine, maybe to cover some of Biden's dirt. But it's not really just about that. 
I mean, if you look at what happened with COVID and how they established that they can control our bodies and make us take things and stay inside of our homes, that's major. And now they're telling you that you can only have this opinion and you can only get information from here and there and that we can go after people's personal property. That Consider the, the subversion that we're actually dealing with. This, this is major. So and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this is terrifying. And I think to a lot of regular people who are conscious of these things, who, who are in very bad position, this is terrifying. And I can only imagine where the mind goes when you are faced with no options for things to get better and you're already in a bad position. I, I'll leave it there just to, get to hear what you guys think about that. Okay, great call, Brave. As usual, great call. Um, I think that I agree that we might start seeing more of this. And what I'll talk about, I'll just define it as people going, I'll say kind of nuts. And having, I saw no clear target of this attack. And I just think the guy, pressure had got to the guy. And I think that kind of, the pressure's getting to you attack is going to become more frequent. And I wonder about the guys who aren't taking smoke bombs and guns on trains. I'm talking about people who are feeling pressure and are taking it out maybe in other ways, maybe just picking fights or maybe conducting self-destructive behavior. What aren't we seeing the effect of out there because it doesn't rise to the level of crime? So, Carter, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's spot on, and not to be not not to be overly blackpilled on it, but people should be terrified. I mean, it's not it's not an inappropriate error. Uh, the things that he's citing are correct. Um, we have been, you know. One of the ways that you get people to accept controls that they wouldn't normally accept is to is and this is you know obvious is you get them in a heightened state of anxiety and fear, um, and they're willing to accept things. You 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 know, for a long time I guess the enemy was COVID and now the enemy is Putin. But whatever it is, whatever the big enemy is, um, you need to give up a little bit of your freedoms or a little bit of control or make more sacrifices um, because uh, of the big threat. And uh, people can't live in a, that heightened state of anxiety without severe consequences for very long. And some of those are just psychological. I think suicides have been up. I think domestic abuse has been up, uh, you know, drug and alcohol use. Like just there's been a, a lot of just uh, I, not that those are minor problems, but they're they're not as big as shooting up people on a subway. Like, so, But those things are those things are up. And I think you are going to have people who are, uh, you know, teetering at the edge, right? Um, not the kind of people who uh, are going to do something horrific during calm times, but under stress, uh, they might break and do something. And you're stressing the public and you're stressing the public constantly. And, um, and, and I think one of the most, I think one of the most anxiety producing things for a lot of people is they don't know what to believe. Um, you know, you've got this just to circle back to that CNN piece, right? You've got CNN telling everyone, well, you can't believe Lee Stranahan because this is this is RT and their propaganda from blah, blah, blah. 
but we all know you can't believe CNN either. And so the question's like, well, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Like, you, it's hard to trust anyone um, because it's just not clear. And you have to pick people that you like that you think, okay, I'm going to trust that guy. I'm going to trust Lee. I don't like, you know, whatever else it is, he seems like a decent guy. I'm going to trust that he's trying to find the truth. And I'm going to, you know, weigh his assessment heavier than Brian Stelter's assessment. But, you know, it, it, it's a, it's kind of a chaotic world right now in terms of information. And if you can imagine being in a stressful situation and not knowing what sense data to even trust, which is kind of where we are, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. So, uh, you know, the falling of Rome isn't pretty. Right. And the anxiety will continue after this short break. We'll play more of the clip from CNN and we'll be talking to Scotty Nell Hughes on the next segment of The Backstory. back and the backstory is on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington DC now we played part one of the clip from last night from CNN and picking up where we left off and then we'll introduce Scott and L Hughes in a second uh, one of the ways that I can tell how nuts people are getting the way I found out this piece was on last night was I noticed my Twitter hate comments were especially heavy and people were out of the woodwork, strangers deciding it was a good idea to describe homosexual acts I was doing with Vladimir Putin or talking about me being a traitor or saying a traitor when we're not at war with Russia. I'm a Ukrainian traitor. Sure, I'm a bad Nazi. Guilty as charged. But people were out saying stuff to me, and a lot of it violent. And I got a piece of hate mail last night, too. A violent piece of hate mail. And I think this is one way where the pressure you were talking about, Carter, is rearing its ugly head, and it is ugly. But do you ever get hate mail, Carter? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, recently I had to face down a cancel mob. Yeah, um, and it, it, the amazing thing is, and this took me a little bit to realize, and it's hard psychologically, um, very few people actually, you know, when they're in an agitated state, it doesn't matter what gets them agitated, they don't really care about the truth. They don't care about hearing another side of anything. They don't care about actually any evidence for anything. They just hear a description. Um, and that's enough. And I think, you know, people, people for, for you, people hear CNN describe, Oh, he's a bad dude basically, which is, you know, that's about all they say. He's a bad guy. Okay. That's enough. I don't need to, I don't need any other information. I'm going to feel good about myself. Uh, I'm going to grab a pitchfork and I'm going to head over to Lee's house and see if we can burn it down. It's, it's quite 
depressing. Um, but I'm wondering if that's also a state of, you know, when, it, when an empire is kind of dying, just psychologically, we're so, we're so stressed and we're so exasperated and we feel like we've been kicked down so much because we have by the, the elite class that, um, you know, any kind of scapegoat just feels good to be able to dig your teeth into, even if it's the wrong person. No, it's well put. And, and that's exactly what I think is going on. The people, there's no one who I said to myself, well, I should engage this person in an argument. They don't want to hear anything. And it's very obvious. They made up their mind and now they've been triggered. And I'm not using that term loosely. Join us now. Scotty Nell Hughes. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? Lee, I have to tell you, one, it's great to hear you back on air. And I've been checking in with your show for the past two weeks. And it's good to hear your voice back out there. We could not lose your voice at such a critical time. But I was the same way as you were because my inbox filled with all sorts of it. I mean, I I miss CNN, the, the, the love notes from CNN viewers. And my voicemail or my uh, DM messages, both on Twitter and Facebook, filled up. And I went, oh, I guess they finally decided to run the piece on Sputnik. No, right. And, and was there anyone – did you make a new pen pal? Was there anyone who you saw worth – a conversation <laughs> who, who won traverse no and here no there was and here's what's interesting that doesn't mean that people weren't didn't read and support it because if you go and you look at the comments and we're talking about obviously the story that ran the last night on anderson cooper about sputnik and the reality of it was it was actually i taped my interview with them over two weeks ago on it and when they originally, you know, approached me for being a former CNN employee, it's kind of hard for me to say no to them anyways, because um, I knew they reached out on a limb. And but but the key to this, this report that I found to be interesting, people are not going to reach out and say, hey, I'm supporting you. Hey, I think you're great. That's not what CNN viewers do. You're only going to hear the hate people, the people that actually have no lives that are going to take the time out to research you, find you. And figure out how they can direct message you a hate message. But if you read the comments on the Twitter feed, the CNN story that they posted, it's almost the exact opposite. It really, and to a certain extent, uh, the story kind of said, wait a minute, what's your problem with them showing the other side? Are you scared? The comments, that is what I actually found a lot of uh, positivity from, was because people on the Twitter feed, when you read it, um, until their bots kicked in, you could tell people like, oh, it actually gave what I, what I originally told Alex, the reporter who did the story, what I told him this was going to do. I said, you realize when you run this, you are actually going to increase the popularity of Sputnik because what this whole cancel culture has done, this whole trying to shut people down has done, it's exposed it to a crowd that wants to know the full picture. And so you're really being counterproductive. You're actually giving free advertising to an audience who wants to know everything going on. And you can tell that in the comments by people going, hey, wait a minute, there's a, there's a station for me to listen to that's not gonna go along with the same repetitive narrative we're hearing everywhere else? Well, no, and, and do, Command Central, how long is the second clip? Okay, so let's play the second clip here. And Scotty, why don't you pick it up after the clip and, and say what, Say what you heard. 
Does it make sense? Talk about that after the clip. Except Scotty Nell Hughes, a former CNN contributor who is a temporary fill-in host for the pro-Russia Lee Stranahan. We know that Russian state media is putting out lies about this conflict. And I say that as someone who was on the ground in Ukraine. So why should the United States tolerate having Russian state media on its public airwaves. Let the American people make that decision. Trust the American people to hear what they're saying and make the decision for themselves whether or not they believe that that is the truth happening. After the 2016 presidential election, the U.S. intelligence community, led by James Clapper, put out a report accusing Sputnik of being part of Russia's interference efforts. There's this gray area of First Amendment protection rights versus um, an insidious presence in, in our country that is really there to weaken and destroy our system. That's really what this is about, and it's state-sponsored. Sputnik programming is only broadcast in two U.S. cities, Washington, D.C. and Kansas City, Missouri. RM Broadcasting helps get Sputnik on the air. Its owner, who lives in Florida, told us he, quote, stands with Ukraine. RM Broadcasting is dedicated to the unfettered exchange of information and ideas, Arnold Ferolito said. That freedom of choice is the ultimate underpinning of our republic. It isn't the job of the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, to censor content either, Commissioner Jeffrey Starks told us. Instead, it's to let listeners know where that content is coming from. Okay, so, so Scotty, what did you think of that? Well, first of all, I would like to take this opportunity to thank CNN for giving me the platform, and they do have a very extensive platform, both domestic and internationally, to tell people that our job as in the media should be to provide the information and let people decide for themselves. So thank you to CNN for giving me that opportunity because I stand completely by my words. Let the audience make up their own mind, that we as journalists should not tell people how to think. We should provide them the information. Heck, we can even give them our own opinion, but we tell them that's our opinion. But then we let the audience, the, the viewer, the listener, they decide for themselves. And I know that's pretty hard for some of these networks to actually comprehend and to grasp. And they see that as being something controversial. But I actually consider that to be something ethical and something of truthful. And how we build integrity back into journalism is by once again putting the viewer and giving enough respect to the viewer and the listener that they have enough intelligence to make up their own mind, that they are not just people that just are robots that repeat what they hear on the news. But then you go for the rest of the ad and it, 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 the rest of the story, you listen to it, and it's very contradictive to itself. And, I don't, and, and one thing I told Alex off the record when I did my, my interview with him, I said, I want you to know something. Not only are you going to give Sputnik this extra uh, extra advertisement because people are going to now seek them out to listen. And by the way, I would like to say welcome to all of the audience members who are tuning in. I know that Lee and the whole Sputnik family is thrilled to have you listening to them and hope you enjoy the conversations that you hear. But also, he contradicts himself by saying that this is a Russian-funded platform, but then it ends by saying – but their owner down in Florida, we contacted him and he said that he supports Ukraine. But wait a minute, you start off by saying this was Kremlin funded, but it's owned by an individual in Florida. Which is it? And that was what I told Alex. I said, you know, the one thing that is not convenient, it's not a convenient narrative for everybody that wants to demonize Sputnik 
or any of the, the cancel the Twitter feeds, the, the broadcast programs that have been canceled because of this Russian-Ukraine conflict. They don't want to admit that, they, that what the truth is, that they are actually owned by here in the United States, that the majority of people that work for these networks are U.S. citizens, that our funding, that what goes to these networks are coming through not only an American company, but just like you have AT&T host, uh, AT&T and Time Warner owned CNN, MSNBC is owned by Comcast. They are public, they are utility companies used by the public. Same thing is kind of where our funding comes from as well. It just happens to be from another country. But that's one of those inconvenient facts that they don't like to recognize. And CNN had to at least put in that disclaimer that, oh, by the way, its owner is down in Florida. And he actually has a point that says that he is pro, uh, pro-Ukraine and supports Ukraine. Uh, you know, I'll give him credit. I, I, this actually, they could have done a much worse hit job, could have filled it with a lot more lies. But I don't think they realize that what they put out there, that story they put out there, actually, I do believe, helps show Sputnik in a positive light because it's the truth. A lot of the things that they were forced to say in there is the truth. And the truth always speaks louder than 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 a lie. No, I agree with that. It, it was a hit piece, and it was a smear, but I think it glanced off. It it misfired slightly, and, and they talked a lot about the First Amendment, and I think the First Amendment comes out pretty good. And I also think using what did you think about using Clapper as the government official who criticized us? Clapper, James Clapper. I I dare you, put us on with James Clapper. He is someone who clearly perjured himself in front of Congress, right, Scotty? Absolutely, Lee. And when you look at how much confidence the American people have, not only in our intelligence right now, but in leaders like Clapper, who have time after time again have shown that they have been wrong, that they have knowingly been wrong, that they've told the American people things that were wrong over and over again, I think it's just, you know, they're, they're selling themselves. It's what you get when you people live in their own um, biodome where they only listen to themselves. They actually still think they have credibility. But if you get out in the rest of the world, they have none. And they can keep repeating and thinking, well, if we keep repeating, it, it'll come true. But using Clapper as someone to say, but even whether you're talking about Clapper or the other FCC individual they had on there, I'll give them this. They said, we can't regulate. Nothing they are saying right now is wrong and goes against their rights as a U.S. citizen, goes against our Constitution. We cannot limit them. That right there volumes about why it is important that voices like Sputnik are allowed to be on air. You might not agree with them, but as long as they are not doing anything that hurts America, as long as they are out there telling the truth, let them have that availability and trust the audience to make their own accountability. You're right. Now, now Carter, do you have any thoughts on the second part of the segment we heard there? Well, I mean, I, you know, I agree with everything that's been said. I, I think it's, uh, I do think it's kind of funny that the Pfizer News Network is upset that something, <laughs> someone might have funding from a source that might be biased. Uh, I, you know, even if this were Russian propaganda, I think it should still be allowed. Um, and CNN's free to call it Russian propaganda, and and you can have that argument. Uh, but I think you know CNN, you know, as Scotty said, 
they, they don't have credibility. I mean, unless you're in airports, no one watches CNN. Most people that I know that follow CNN do so to criticize them. I think uh, in February they had like a 69% drop in ratings from the previous year. Uh, you know, Zucker had to step down because of the shenanigans that they've been pulling. I mean, they don't have any credibility. So I kind of agree with Scotty. This is a mistake because it's an advertisement. Uh, and they, you know, they didn't intend it that way. Uh, but when someone with zero credibility criticizes you, uh, it's an advertisement. You know, I always tell my daughter, you, you can always tell the quality of a person by the quality of their enemies. And so I look at right now the, the little love notes that I'm getting from people that basically tell me to die or call me a Nazi, which I think is very, very uh, hypocritical considering that I'm fighting the Nazis in Ukraine right now uh, with my words the best that I can and trying to spread the truth about it. Um, I would much rather be on my side than on the side of people that are that desperate or that pathetic and have that much time on their hands to send those kind of notes, those kind of threats to people. I, I, I look at my side and my team that's fighting, and I think, Lee, you'll agree with this. If you look where these lines were divided, I would, and we can, we can argue about different people, but if you, I would much rather be on a side, even from a conservative standpoint, of Tucker, Lee Stranahan, I'll put myself on there, Laura Logan, Ben Swan, versus a side and this is Republicans even, of um, Adam Kissinger, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, who's backed off on it. Thank goodness. We're going to have to add Donald Trump to that list after last night, him agreeing with Joe Biden's talking, talking points, and George Soros, Amanda Carpenter, and probably half the people that are pundits as conservatives on the mainstream media, including Sean Hannity. Let's have a debate between those two sides. And I guarantee you, I know which side will win. I know which side will actually be telling the truth about what is going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. The truth that the American people need to hear, the world needs to hear. I much rather go with my team than the other. Well, actually, let's get into that issue for a second. Talk about Donald Trump's comments recently, because I think he's showing why I am dreading the possibility of a second Trump term. And I think he'd win at this point. If the election were held today, Donald Trump would win. But just because he will win doesn't mean he deserves to win. I think it shows that he hasn't learned anything. The same people who were against him in Russiagate are in favor of the Ukraine side of the narrative. It is the same people, exactly. And I don't think Trump has learned a damn thing since his first term. Scotty, what do you say? So listening to the comments, and I am, truth be told, I am actually down here in South Florida. I am five miles from Mar-a-Lago. I did not go kiss the ring, um, as there has been just the troops that have come down here over these groups that have come down over the last six months. There's a group over there right now, in fact, asking for the president's blessing. You know, his comment that he made sound just basically regurgitating the talking points of Joe Biden. Yes, there's been a genocide in Ukraine. Absolutely. But is it the Russians? That's part of those questions that need to be asked right now, as we see time and time again, that there are reports of Ukrainian forces turning on their own people who might be Russian sympathizers, who might not agree with fighting with the Ukrainian army. We're seeing. So, yes, there is a genocide happening. Who's killing their own people? That's a good question. 
Those are all things that I hope we can get down to the truth and expose what's really happening in the country. But in regards to Donald Trump, I, I cannot believe the last time that Donald Trump listened to a Democrat and regurgitated a Democrat's talking points, it was Governor Cuomo. And he agreed with him on the lockdowns and the ventilators and the shutting down of schools and the reg government regulations making people stay at home. Guess how well that worked out, not only for America, but that right there, I do believe, was when Donald Trump started to lose the 2020 election. When people realized that there was no difference between him and Governor Cuomo and that the people advising him were advising him the same, that's when he started losing. I remember listening to that press conference and putting my head in my hands going, stop it. Please stop right now. This is going this weakness that you're showing. You're not putting America first. And that right here is the comment. Whether you agree about what is going on and the tactics being used in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, as an American, your number one thing is America first as a conservative, as Donald Trump. And his comment should have been, I want to do what's best for America. And right now, what our leadership in this country is doing in regards to that conflict is not only sending more millions, I think, what is it, $800 million more over there, but you're killing our economy. You're killing our agriculture business. You're killing our gas industry. You're going to kill small business. We are going to see, unfortunately, the the retribution of the our, of our involvement in the Ukraine-Russian conflict here in the U.S., not today, not tomorrow, but just like we saw with the coronavirus in China, three months from now, six months from now, we're going to see what our decisions have caused us. And it's not going to be good. And Donald Trump to agree with it will only cause him. And here in South Florida, I'll be honest with you, he's not that popular. Most people that I have talked to have been very much DeSantis fans. And the question is, can, can someone real recognize DeSantis enough to have the conversation as a Republican Party to go to DeSantis over Trump? That is where the power struggle is going to be. And it's going to be who's going to be the kingmaker that comes in and tells Trump, you need to stand down. It's time for DeSantis to step up. Yeah, Carter, what do you think about the way Donald Trump is approaching in 2024 race? How's he looking going in? Yeah, I mean, Trump was never principled. He was always kind of a pragmatist uh, who correctly identified some problems and had the intestinal fortitude to say, uh, to talk about them out loud, which is what gave him popularity. And, and I certainly appreciated that about him, but he was never, he was never super principled on any of these issues. And, and I think a lot of times he's, he's too caught up in the drama of what people think of him and fighting battles and that kind of thing. So, uh, I'm not surprised that he, you know, decided to side with Biden and say kind of some milk toast regurgitation, uh, of, of, Genocide. Uh, just to remind people, by the way, Ukraine has been at war for eight years, uh, killing people in the Donbass region. Just want to throw that out there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you, I don't think the Republicans should nominate him. I don't think he's uh, the right candidate. I would much prefer to see someone like DeSantis uh, as well. So um, yeah, I, I th and I think people are more tired of Trump than he thinks they are. I think he believes that he's still as popular as he was. And I think. A lot of people have been rightly disenchanted. I mean, he didn't, there's things he could have done on his way out that he didn't do, which I think betrayed uh, 
people's trust. You know, people thought, well, he can't get these these things done because people are stopping him or whatever. But, you know, things he could have done on his exit, he could have pardoned Edward Snowden. He could have pardoned Julian Assange. Um, he could have pardoned Ross Albright. There's things he could have done on his way out that he didn't do, which kind of demonstrates he wasn't really about any of the things a lot of people were hoping he was about. And I also think tying in two choices in the headlines today, I think Elon Musk could do Governor DeSantis a favor and restore Donald Trump to Twitter. I think if Donald Trump comes back to Twitter, it's going to hurt him. It's hurt his chances of getting a nomination, much less reelected. What do you say about that, Scotty? Um, I agree with you. I think he does need to be restored. And I love the fear in, in, in the blue checkers on Twitter right now at the thought that, that Trump might be actually able to get his Twitter back. But I agree. It will not necessarily help his presidential move. But also, you have to look at some of the decisions that he's making right now. The people are going, wait a minute, what? And then you look at the people that are backing those decisions. There's some very bad choices being made in these congressional races. And obviously, right now, I'm sure you've talked about, Lee, the Dr. Oz support, which has everybody scratching their heads. A stunning conservative scratching their heads, considering the long track record of Dr. Oz's support of anti-conservative issues from the, the gender uh, transitioning of, of, of young people to the automatic lockdowns like is in China, everything the conservatives believe until recently. And then you have Hannity going up behind him and regurgitating, regurgitating. Like I keep saying, Hannity, blink twice if you need help or rescue because you're not acting like the Sean Hannity who, who was the fighter for the last four years. I don't know what they have on him, but something has caused certain conservatives who have usually been very good, um, weak at points, but at least you could count on to totally flip and just regurgitate the George Soros talking points, things that they blasted for the, that made them you know, career gods. So I agree with this in the fact that it will hurt pre Donald Trump's presidential campaign, but it will be good for conservatives to have that voice back out there. And I think it will be good for people like Ron DeSantis and others to have Trump's voice back on Twitter, because once again, just like the Dr. Oz move, it will make more Republicans start to stand up to Trump and say, you need to sit down. It is time for DeSantis. And right now, currently looking at who he's putting around him, I don't see the same bottom feeder grifters moving towards DeSantis as who are literally set up camp around Trump at Mar-a-Lago at this point. No, that's a great point. And I, I think that we'll see. It's a long way from November 2024. So it's anyone's ballgame. People have been assuming it's going to be Trump's. But I think his moves on COVID-19 separated him from a lot of the base. Scotty Nell Hughes, thanks so much. Great appearance. Carter Laren as guest. And as guest co-host, great job. Always a pleasure talking to you, Carter. And we'll be back tomorrow. CNN, despite their best efforts, will be back tomorrow with another report from the Empire of Lies. I'm Lee Stranahan. This has been The Backstory.